Hymn 156. We are on the last two stanzas. Well, actually, it's five and six. I uh, skipped over the, the doxology as, as taking a week. So, stanza five. Keep far from us our cruel foe. And peace from your own hand bestow. If you be our protecting guide, no evil can our steps betide. And so, where we ended last time is as he strengthens us in our infirmity, that is, We've got a sinful nature, and so he strengthens us by his word. He strengthens us by giving us new desires and a new heart. And so here we continue to go on to say, Lord, uh, the cruel foe, the one who is of this world, uh, is coming against us. Uh, I've taken, uh, tried something I haven't tried before. I'm teaching the, the preschoolers a mighty fortress. Um, it's a particularly long, every stanza is, and there's also quite a few words in it. Um, it's very well known, really robust. Um, the, pro the problem is, is that you got to learn the whole first stanza, which pretty well is about the devil, and then you get to the second stanza, which answers it about Jesus. So it's, but it's Reformation, so I tried it. Um, but a mighty fortress, uh, teaches us that on earth is not his equal. That is, the old evil foe on earth is not his equal. That's the problem. If we go head-to-head -head with the devil, if we're going to battle against the devil, he will win. And thus, this one says, Lord, you're going to have to fight our battles. You're going to have to keep far from us the cruel foe. You're going to have to give us peace, peace from your own hand. That is, he gives us the peace of forgiveness. He gives the peace of knowing that our sins are taken away so that when the devil accuses us, oh, we are not concerned. When he says to us, you have sinned, and we say yes, and he says, and therefore uh, you're going to hell and God is punishing you, we can say no. We've, we've been taught. We have God's own peace. And so that is our, our protection against all of his attacks. Verse 6, as we continue to pray to the Holy Spirit, we say, O oh, make to us the Father known. Teach us the eternal Son to own. And you whose name we ever bless, of both the Spirit to confess. So, the Holy Spirit makes known to us the Father, reveals the Father to us. That is, wherever the Word is taught, the Holy Spirit is teaching us about the three persons and one God. As I was teaching the school-age kids uh, today, usually when I get done, I have an hour of teaching with them over here, and then we have 30 minutes of, of chapel, and usually at that point I say, okay, do you have any questions? And... Uh, everything from what's these things that are up here or liturgically why do we do something. Uh, one of the girls uh, told me today uh, as we were talking about um, the, tell me, um, so Jesus is God. Yes. Hmm. Well, I always thought that the Father was God and Jesus was just sent, kind of man only or something, and, and, and so, um, you know, I, I laid out again, and, and, and all, and kind of looked at me, and I said, this is what the Bible teaches. I said, I don't know how this works either. Uh, and so, here is where the Holy Spirit makes known to us the Father, reveals to us who he is. And primarily, we learn who the Father is by learning of the Son. Because we can't see the Father, but we can see 
Jesus, his son. And so when we see the love of Jesus for us, we say, this is the Father who loved us and who sent, wants us to have the Jesus who has forgiven us. And so to know Jesus is, is to know the, the Father. And so in this one here, uh, we bless uh, Jesus, uh, the one who has, has saved us, confessing the Spirit and what he has taught. So that gets us stanza four or five and six. Uh, stanza seven uh, is this doxological, praise we the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit with them one, and may the Son on us bestow the gifts that from the Spirit flow. Let's go ahead and do stanzas five and six. Keep far from us our cruel foe, and peace from your own hand bestow. If you be our protecting guard, no evil can our steps betide. Oh, make to us the Father known, teach us the eternal Son to own, and you whose name we ever bless, of both the Spirit to confess. Very good. All right, for our catechism, we're wrapping up the table of duties. Uh, we'll be gone uh, next week, and uh, actually the next two weeks. And so having gone through the first uh, two estates, uh, we're moving in to the third dealing with, as we had husband and wife, parents and children, and this estate which would include workers and employers. And so, and then he throws in three at the end. But, all right, how about two workers in this, in your vocation? Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. And with sincerity of heart. Just as you would obey Christ. Just as you would obey Christ. All right, so, as we would obey Christ, as Christians who follow him and would listen to his word, so it says also those who have been placed over us in a vocation, in a business, uh, in these ways we say, God has done that. And therefore, I must, well, respect those who are the employers, that is, these earthly rulers who rule, you might say, a, a country or a company or wherever that is given. What are we to do? Well, obedience. And not just when they watch us. Uh, we do this because we want to do a good job, because we want to be good at what we have been given. If we've been given to be an a employee, I want to be a good one. Uh, I want to give a, a day's work uh, to my employer. I want to do it with sincerity, not, not begrudgingly, not trying to undermine the authority of those who have been placed over us. So, uh, with respect, with fear, even with sincerity of heart, Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. God wills that we, well, do a good job in the work that we have been given to do. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone. For whatever good he does, for whatever good he does 
whether he is slave or free. All right. Um, the Lord gives us a promise. What is that? Just as he gave a promise to children that they would have long life, that it would, that it would go well for them if they obeyed their parents, so also we have this, that the Lord will reward those who work well, who do a good job. And so uh, this is an encouragement, a, a comfort for us as well. Uh, there are times in which companies uh, go bankrupt. There are times in which you have an evil manager and, and he may make you a scapegoat and things of this sort, but you say, no, I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm always going to do what's right no matter what happens because I'm trying to do the will of God, I'm trying to do this as a Christian to obey God, and I know in the end that the Lord will reward. It's the stuff of this world, what we've been given. We don't earn our salvation with it, but um, he does promise to reward. Next section deals with employers and supervisors. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them. Since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. So because you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So if you've been placed in a position of authority, you're not to take advantage of them. You are not to think of yourself as somehow better than they are. This is simply where the Lord has placed you. Um, and because you are in this position, it is not that the Lord is going to say, oh, well, I'll overlook your sins, but for those under you, I will not. There is no favoritism. The Lord holds us uh, to these standards, and so we wish to follow um, that which the Lord desires, thus not using our position to threaten or to... Uh, put others down. So that deals with workers and with employers. The last sections uh, are kind of catch-alls. One dealing with youth. Young men in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. That he may lift you up in due time. All right, so youth, uh, those who are young adults, I guess, uh, those who have been trained and may not necessarily be uh, completely free of, of their parents' household, um, but have been taught quite a bit, uh, can look at things and say, well, I am strong, I know a lot, uh, and might think very highly of themselves, uh, seeing the weakness of their uh, elders uh, concerning well, not only physical things, but there might be weakness as, as regards to controlling their tongue or uh, in, in giving in to sin, whatever uh, that might be. And so they might think of themselves quite highly. The Lord teaches those who are youth uh, that they are to be submissive placing themselves, respecting the position of those who are elders who know quite well. We have quite a few uh, situations, even in the scriptures, in which this is taught, uh, in which uh, after Solomon went away, you, know, you have uh, Jeroboam and Rehoboam and uh, those who decided not to listen to the elders but to the youth that were of the same and, and uh, saying, no, I will... I will be even harder upon you. I won't make it easier. Um, 
and it tears the kingdom apart um, because they did not uh, give deference to those uh, who were their elders. God opposes the proud but gives grace to those who are humble. If you have been given, then humility says, I recognize my giftedness. I wish to use it, but I recognize it, uh, that it has been given. Next passage, to widows. The widow who is really in need, and left all alone, puts her hope in God, and continues night and day to pray, and to ask God for help. So God recognizes that there are certain positions in which, either as a child you're placed under a parent, or as a parent you might say you have a spouse who is with you, or if you are in these, but for the person who is the widow, uh, for the person whose spouse has passed away, for the person who does not have a uh, way of employment, um, uh, those things, it says, what are they? They're dependent. And so what are they to do? Are they to worry or do they know? They are to put their hope in God. They are to do those things which um, fits that vocation. Uh, so often those who are uh, parents, uh, mothers, you might say, we're, we're very busy. We're doing a lot of things and we're doing them for our children. I, I get it. For the widow, they have time to pray. They have time to pray night and day. And thus they ought to pick up that mantle when uh, that time comes uh, and to, well, commit themselves to the God who provides for them. Last part, but the widow who lives for pleasure, for pleasure. is dead even while she lives. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. First Timothy five verses five through six. First Timothy five verses five through six. We have a wonderful uh, opportunity from God, in which those who have uh, worked during their lifetime um, are able to retire, uh, are able to receive income uh, during this time. Uh, it can be a a way of providing, uh, of, of taking care, um, especially as uh, the things that you might say a full position, a full job, is not doable um, at this point anymore. And yet, it doesn't mean that, that nothing can be done. We need to be careful, though, that it doesn't become simply a matter of I've worked hard, I've done my job, now I'm going to be, teach myself to be selfish for the last 20 years or whatever God provides for you. Instead, we need to make sure that uh, we are still within this, not simply living for pleasure, but using whatever God has given, whether it is for our praying or whether it is for uh, providing or, or maybe short periods of time we can volunteer or donate or uh, these kind of things help out. Uh, these are things that can be done and so uh, that we don't simply live for pleasure. Last section. Luther addresses this to everyone. The commandments are summed up with this one rule. The commandments are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so love. Love is the keeping of the commands. I urge that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. I urge that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. And so we can pray, not only requesting for ourselves, but also that which would be on behalf of others. Uh, that, too, is a loving thing to be done. Luther concludes it with a little ditty. 
Let each his lesson learn with care, and all the household well shall fare. Uh, to say, listen, if you're doing your job well, and your children are doing their job well, and this is it, you know, this, this is a well-ordered household. And God intends it to uh, be a place of well, joy and happiness. Uh, and so these two, uh, having created all this, he knows how it ought to be ordered. So that sums up the table of duties. I'm going to go ahead and uh, light the candles, and we're going to go ahead and get started with the second part. Page 224. Please stand. O oh Lord, open my lips. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O oh Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of your bulletin. It's for Trinity 1. It's Luke chapter 16. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, Father, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. This is God's word. Him 156, our hymn, Creator, Spirit, Heavenly Dove. Mm. Creator. 
Creator, Spirit, Heavenly Dove, descend upon us from above. With graces manifest, please store your creatures as they were before. To you, the Comforter, we cry. To you, the gift of God Most High. True fount of life, the fire of love the soul's anointing from above. In you with graces sevenfold, we God's almighty and behold, while you with tongues of fire proclaim, to all the world his holy name. Your light to every sense impart, and shed your love in every heart, your own unfailing might supply to strengthen our infirmity. Keep far from us our cruel foe, and peace from your own hand bestow. If you be our protecting guide, no evil can our steps be tied. Oh, make to us the Father known. Teach us the eternal Son to own. And you whose name we ever bless, of both the Spirit to confess. Praise we the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit with them one. And may the Son on us bestow the gifts that from the Spirit flow. You may be seated. There are two men. Uh, there is a rich man, and there is a poor man. It's not so much uh, his richness that takes him to hell, you can be rich and go to heaven. <laughs> it's not being poor that gets you to heaven. You can be poor and end up going to hell. But according to this story, it would appear to people, you would say outwardly, to look at this man who was rich and say, wow, he looks like he's going to heaven. He's got it all made and God is blessing him. And it would appear outwardly to us that we would say, wow, this, this, man, this poor man who really has nothing going for him uh, must have done something terribly wrong to get himself in that kind of situation. And that is why Jesus tells this story uh, in which it is flipped around exactly the uh, opposite. When we get to the end, well we could probably go back and, and make the conclusions, but let's make the conclusion first so that it is quite clear, and then we'll go through and see how the facts actually fit the conclusion. What is the conclusion? The conclusion is this. The rich man didn't listen to the word of God and doesn't believe and trust in Jesus. And that is why he does not love his neighbor. The conclusion is that the poor man did in fact have faith and trusted in God, though in this world he received, well, quite many bad things. Uh, 
And because he believed in Jesus, that is why he is saved. When it says that he is at Abraham's bosom, Abraham is the father of faith. Abraham is the one who uh, held up under persecution and endured. He is the one who trusted in uh, Jesus for his salvation. He is the one who was willing even to sacrifice Isaac. And so to say that he's at Abraham's bosom says that this is a man of faith too. This is one of whom Abraham says, yes, you're one of my children because you believe. So that's the conclusion. Those are the, uh, the two people that we have. All right, let's look at some of the facts. What do we know about the rich man? Tell me some of the facts. He's got purple clothing. That would be a sign of royalty, a sign of being quite wealthy. What else? Is that a problem, having, having nice clothes? No, not in particular. He's treating himself pretty well. He's got five brothers. Hmm. And a father And a father. A father and five brothers when he dies that are all still living. Yes. He's um, been taught the scriptures, but not. Karen, you're right. He knows some scriptural stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. What, what are some things that we. We're, we're, he knows. He doesn't know about Christ, exactly. He doesn't know about the Savior and about loving his neighbor. He doesn't know about faith. What are some things that, that we, we kind of go, well, this is not someone who, you know, let's say lived off in a cave and knew nothing about, you know, religion. What does he know? Well, he knows about Father Abraham. Ah, he knows that the Jews refer to Abraham as the father. And so here is a Jew, someone who knows of Father Abraham, you might remember the Pharisees and the scribes, the Sadducees all claimed to have Abraham as their father. Um, so he knows about that. Oh, he's very concerned about his well, brothers and father, blood relationship. Um, yeah, not... Yeah, not about faith things. He believes a miracle can save him. Okay. Yes. Um, absolutely. What else does he want? He wants Abraham to have mercy on him. Wow, he sounds like he's praying in the order of Vespers or Madden's, have mercy on me. And so you kind of go, wow, this guy has learned some of the liturgy. He's been around. At least a little bit. But like Karen said, though he knows the liturgy, he's not really trusting. Um, like praying to a saint, kind of. Yeah, he's talking to Abraham rather than to God. Um, so he doesn't quite have that right. Would you call that ancestor worship? You could. You could. You could say, you know, maybe in the same way we might say, well, my grandfather and my father were all Lutherans and I was born a Lutheran, you know, and you might trust in your connection to, to them. Uh, he thought he was doing okay. He's kind of surprised he's in hell. Yeah, what's he tell Abraham? You know what? This rich man is pretty used to telling people what to do and sending people around and bossing them, and you go do this, and you go get this, and you go do this. He sees Abraham, and he says, I got something for you to do. Send that poor guy on down here with a little water. He still thinks he's in charge. Yeah, of Abraham, not only of Lazarus, but even he's going to tell Abraham what, what needs to happen. Is he under the illusion that a drink of water is going to... I guess, well, he knows he needs a miracle. 
You know, is hell terrible? Absolutely. Um, even one drop of water, you know, you're not going to get. Um, I mean, it, it, he asked for quite little, but even that is not, not possible. A great chasm has been fixed um, between heaven and hell. So he's in hell. He asks. He asks. Uh, uh, Abraham says, no, can't, can't do that. Um, what does he say? I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send Lazarus, send him back to my father's house. Uh, I, you know, uh, I don't want my brothers and, and father to come here. Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, you know, the, um, I, I hate to put too much altruistic feelings in a man who is in hell. Um, in fact, uh, some, some of the church fathers, because, and, and, and I would say they're right, uh, the, uh, no one is sent to hell if they are reformable. If they're reformable, God reforms them and saves them. It's these who will refuse, and so you might say they've been trying to get away from God, and finally they get away. And so uh, uh, a couple of the church fathers say he's not really concerned about the welfare of his brothers and his father, but he really didn't like them, and he doesn't want them to come and be in hell with him. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's, you know, but it fits, you know what I mean? Of someone who, and I, I you kind of go, eh, okay. But could it also be he was, still wants to be in control of something? He's trying to be in control of something. Okay. I think that, I think that would fit. Um, and I think it presents to us, though, for, for whatever the motivation is, and I don't know what it is, but that, that's, as good, that's as good as any. Um, the answer is the reason that, the, that it's said. Yes. To know the truth. Um, and thinking that there is, he still doesn't see that there is, there is. What doesn't he see? He doesn't see that. He says, send someone back, send Lazarus back. And Abraham says, no, no, no. He says, oh, yeah, yeah. If someone goes back from the dead, then they'll believe. Hmm. Is it the coming back from the dead that creates faith? No, and in reality, what do we know? Jesus rose from the dead, and they still persecuted. Um, they did not believe. But the big thing for this one is this. Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What does that mean? They, referring to his brothers and his father, what does it mean they have Moses and the prophets? It is the word of God. Moses wrote the first five books. The prophets wrote the rest. When you talk about Moses and the prophets, you're saying they had God's word. Here is the big thing. If there is anything that this story teaches is the rich man had the word of God. It was with him. It was in his house. He learned Father Abraham. He learned to say, have mercy, and yet it never was something that he made his own. It's never was something that he's trusted in. Um, as our hymn, the Creator Spirit said, that Christ may, that we may own him. Right? I don't just want to sit in the pews. Um, why should I be saved? Well, I hung around with Christians for 50 years. I sat in the pews for a long time. Yes, I know. But did you trust in my son? Did you trust that that was right? Or did you cling to your works? This rich man had the word of God and wasn't saved. He rejected it. He didn't hold to it. And his brothers and his father have it. And they're not listening either. A great chasm has been fixed. Once you die, 
go to heaven or hell. There's a great chasm between one and the other. And what does that mean? It means that there's no more chances for those who are in hell to get to heaven. And the chasm is fixed for those in heaven, it says, so that they won't go. They're always loving and trying to, and it's, it's been fixed. Why? Before this, we had the word of God to hear it and to listen to it, and they wouldn't listen. And if you will listen to the word of God, that's the means that God uses to save us. And so what do we have with the rich man? We have a person who refuses to use the means of grace, refuses to be saved by faith comes by hearing the word of God. It's all external stuff, like you said, Karen. It's all the outward. It, and, and so, where this is going on, and again, I would say, everybody's looking at the rich man and saying, well, you know, he's got God's word around. We see him sitting in the pews. Of course he's saved. And Jesus says, no, he's not. Mm. Um, because he's not saved, because he does not have, we don't see him loving his neighbor. The poor man is there. He just would, he'd love to have the leftovers. The rich man doesn't even give him that. Uh, he could give him just a little bit of help. No, the dogs are going to lick his sores. That's his health care plan. And so we see where there is not faith, there is also not love. Uh, outwardly, well, people may see stuff. That's not where salvation comes. What do we see with the poor man? With Lazarus, he actually gets a name. What do we see with Lazarus? What do we know about him? What? He has got a tough life. Yes. In this world? Wow. Does that mean that God has forsaken him? No. In fact, this is a man who we would say is at the bosom of Abraham. This is one which Abraham says, that is my child. So often we take a look at, at people who are down, who are out, who uh, have been through life, who, who have troubles, and, and, and we thumb our nose at them. We look down upon them. And yet they may be the very ones who, simple though they are, trust in God. And, and more like Abraham than, than we. When you go through tough times, you need not despair. Um, your life will probably not be as bad as this, but even if it is, the Lord is still providing, taking care. Call upon, as it said with the widow, call upon God night and day. Ask him for help. Uh, and this is the one who is, is saved. Why? He hears the word of God, and he keeps it. Questions about the text? Okay. Prayers this evening. What do we ask God for, thank him for, confess? Praise, I need one of each for tonight. What should we ask God? Okay. Um, that we might be humble and remember that all is a gift. And thank you belatedly for um, uh, benign report on pathology. <laughs> all right. We will give thanks. We will give thanks. Um, yes, that we might ask God that... that he always teaches us that we remember it's a gift that he provides. Mm -hmm. We should confess that we don't always rely on the word. Yes, you are right. Um, we do not rely upon that words of Moses and the prophets. And uh, don't give our time to listening to it and forget to trust in it. Absolutely. All the time? Yeah, I, I guess I don't want to say all the time. Um, pretty close. <laughs> you know, um, uh, 
Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, and so I, I think as well. There are times in which someone will pay you a compliment. Um, what do you say? No, I'm a rotten sinner? No, if you're paid a compliment, you say, thank you. Um, I want to acknowledge, and you might say, note that those good things which we do are a gift from God, and we thank him for it. And you're right, they, they do come through. All right, uh, we're moved to the non-festival part of the church year, so we're going to return to our six chief parts. Uh, it doesn't include all the words that Luther included, but it does include the scripture passages of which the six chief parts are based upon. And so, uh, we'll do the reciting word by word. I'll do the headings. Uh, if you want to do the italic parts, any in particular? Colton, you have any you want to do, or the Ten Commandments? Okay. Anyone else? Tom, you have any? All right. Any of you guys? You take the Lord's Prayer, Baptism. Karn, you got Confession. Eric, looks like you've got Sacrament of the Altar. Very good. Please stand. The Ten Commandments teach what we are to do. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The Apostles' Creed teaches what God does and gives. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord's Prayer teaches how we should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. 
Holy baptism brings us into the Christian community. Christian baptism, water connected with the word, is truly God's own work received by faith that it might impart salvation and comfort us in affliction. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Confession and absolution is the voice of the gospel. It is the proper use of the gospel to believe the absolution of our sins and to be assured that they are forgiven us without any merit of our own through Christ and that when we believe the words of absolution, we are as surely reconciled to God The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The sacrament of the altar is food for the soul. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. O oh God, the strength of all those who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers, and because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing, grant us the help of your grace that in keeping your commandments, we may please you both in will and deed. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, direct our attention to your word that we might always rely upon that means of grace to create, strengthen our faith, uh, that we might call upon you and rely upon you, even as uh, Abraham did. We give thanks to you for medical treatment and especially for uh, a good report. Uh, we ask uh, that you would help to bring forth in us uh, love for, for our neighbor. We ask it through Jesus Christ our Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.